Yes, yes, yes. Welcome back to another very special edition of the Cajun Libertarian Sunday Special. I am your host, the Cajun Libertarian. As you can see, the background looks a, a little bit different as I am in a hotel room tonight. But rest assured, it would be a phenomenal interview. I have an incredible guest that I can't wait for you to meet if you haven't already met her. She's an amazing entrepreneur, regular guest on the Glenn Beck program, all over TV, all over radio, a uh, uh, guest on Spike Cohen's My Fellow Americans not long ago, and author of The War on Small Business, How the Government Used the Pandemic to Crush the Backbone of America. Her name is Carol Roth. You can follow her on Twitter and anywhere else. I expect that this will be absolutely fantastic, as she is an amazing Woman, so stay tuned for a great episode of the Cajun Libertarian Sunday Special coming up next. of the Cajun Libertarian Sunday Special with my very special guest, Carol Roth. Let's bring her on right now. Carol, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? And I have to say, so now that we've got both of us in the frame, you can't see it anymore, but like I was intensely focused on the phone in your room because every hotel room I've ever been in has the exact same phone. Like it doesn't matter what tier. See no. It doesn't matter what tier hotel it is, everybody has that phone. I'm fascinated by that. Anyway, <laughs> nice to see you. Yeah, nice to see phone. you as well. That is the uh, old-fashioned, like, hotel room phone. I, I basically said we – our company uses a hotel – or, I'm sorry, Hilton Honors. Oh, and nice. So uh, it's always the Hilton everywhere, and it's always the same phone. <laughs> yeah, it's just funny. I just remember really like weird. back in the day where like you couldn't call anyone because they charge you like $15 a minute or something <laughs> to call someone. <laughs> and now like people are like, what do you mean? And I'm like, okay, forget, forget about it. I'm old. So. <laughs> it's like a collective call from an inmate, right? Exactly. If you want to accept this call, it's like $27 a minute. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, nice to see you. <laughs> yeah, nice to see you as well. Love the hair. Love yeah, the so we got, we got like... Mega big hair. As uh, people who follow me know, I stand for uh, big hair and small government. And so uh, we, we, we brought it out today for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate it. It's fantastic. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about you. Um, you are an extraordinarily successful entrepreneur and a leader in the liberty movement. You're an author. You're a regular guest appearance on not just the Glenn Beck program, but all over TV, Fox Business, all over the radio, you've been doing TV for a long time. What dis, What did you, you know, what made you decide to get into writing a book? So this is actually my second book. 
I wrote a book about 10 years ago and that one was just me like vomiting onto a piece of paper. I was so annoyed by all of the really bad advice that small businesses were getting. And they're like, let me tell you the seven steps to success. And I'm like, that's just a load of, you know what? And just, I just got mad and I wanted to, people to get a reality check. So I just like wrote and wrote. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, I've got a, like a lot of words here. Like this could be a book. And so I shopped that around. And of course everyone's like, well, it's, it's not really motivational. It's kind of, it's kind of mean. <laughs> it kind of tells it like crushes people's dreams. They're like, no, it's a reality check. Like they shouldn't spend six figures if they're, they don't know what they're getting into. So finally we found a publisher. Then of course I broke up with that publisher because you know nothing can be easy. And another publisher, yada yada yada. Uh, ended up with a, a great New York Times bestselling book. And I really wanted to talk about the risks and realities of being a small business owner because you know it's an important part of economic freedom, but it's not an easy thing to do. And so after that, um, the writing part wasn't that hard, but the marketing is like a whole big thing. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to do another one of these for a while. And then COVID came around and HarperCollins approached me and they said, you know, we'd really like someone to do an economic deep dive into what's happening because we think this is going to be a, a historic economic moment. And, uh, you know, I saw things were closing down. I knew I'd probably be out for I didn't think a year and a half or whatever it was, but, you know, some period of time. And like an idiot, I was like, oh, that sounds fun. Sure, I'll do it. Not realizing how difficult it was to really, you know, kind of follow real time what was happening, and especially as it continued to endure. And so I actually wrote like three and a half different books because I didn't have a take going in. I was just sort of documenting what happened and, and coming up with a thesis on the back end. Um, so we first had the looting of America. Then we had too big to succeed. Then it, it came down to the war on small business. And that's the one that, that finally um, made it to the market. And, um, you know, it, it really, as I, I kind of took a step back and looked at all the things that, that happened, it was the government picking winners and losers based on right. political clown connections, you know, not data and science. And it enabled the biggest wealth transfer that we've ever seen in history. And certainly, you know, that didn't benefit the average American. And it certainly didn't benefit small businesses. So that was kind of the angle um, that I took to have sort of a, a broader discussion about decentralization versus centralized power. Right. And I'm so glad you said that because something that I've been harping on since the summer of last year was that what we were witnessing was the, in my personal opinion, correct me if I'm wrong, but the greatest transfer of wealth from the lower middle class to the top 1%. And it, it doesn't seem like most people are paying attention to this. Why is that? Yeah, I mean, first of all, this isn't a personal opinion. I mean, it's literally trillions and trillions of dollars. So it's definitively the numbers back it up right. that it is the most historic wealth transfer. We've never had that level of wealth. Um, and I think people aren't paying attention to it because the biggest part of it is something that people don't understand. So people understand okay, they shut down small business. They probably left the big business down the street open or Amazon's warehouse open or whatever. And so people couldn't shop with the small business and they, they put those dollars to the big business and got a bump in revenue. I think most people can 
get their heads around that. The other piece that people just don't understand and because it's completely opaque by design is the level of, of Federal Reserve intervention and that historic level and the, you know, four trillion dollars or whatever it is at this point um, that was pumped into the market. It was basically akin to the increase in value um, of the market over that period of time. In fact, in, in uh, 2020, seven tech companies gained $3.4 trillion in value. And again, this was based on the Federal Reserve um, not only suppressing interest rates, but just putting trillions of dollars of cash in the market. And you know, not only does that give uh, those big companies that have uh, access to capital more capital at you know next to no interest rates and in fact on a real interest rate basis negative interest rates to go and, and compete with smaller businesses but it expanded the valuation multiples and made all the companies seem like they were quote unquote worth more um right. and you know the same time you had hundreds of thousands of small businesses that were being murdered by government mandates and you had, you know, average Americans who were struggling for various reasons, maybe because their kid's school was shut down. And so, you know, one of the parents had to stay home and, and not go to work, you know, or they were a small business owner or like the, you know, 17 other permutations that came out of these decisions. And, um, and I think the complexity of that is something that people aren't paying attention to, but really should be paying attention to. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I don't want to give too much away from the book because it is a phenomenal book, uh, The War on Small Business by Carol Roth. But something that I was starting to witness unfold wasn't just the lackluster attention to what's actually happening, but the actual goals that were being put in place by government and what you're saying, picking winners and losers. So don't, don't give us too much from the book, because I want people to go buy the book and find out for themselves how remarkable it is. But what, in your opinion, I'll give you my opinion of what the end result was, but I want to hear your opinion. I, I wholeheartedly believe that th this was intentional. This wasn't accidental. This was 1,000% uh, was purposeful in transferring this wealth, not only to crush the small business, but to enhance the larger business. But more importantly, why? Uh, I think it's to make people more dependent on the government to to consolidate that into one little tiny phrase. What do you think? Yeah. So as you know, if you've read the book, it's sort of like a choose your own adventure that I lay out the facts and the narrative and I let you make the decision. And, you know, I, I would just sort of ask people, like, if you were trying to do this intentionally, what you just so beautifully laid out, what would you have done differently? And the answer is nothing. <laughs> So, but here's, here's the other piece of it, right? Is that whether you think it's intentional, whether you think it's incompetence, whether you think it's just that small businesses are inconvenient. And so when they felt like they needed to act, they became sort of cannon fodder. It really doesn't matter. The intentions don't matter. The outcomes matter. And I think that's what people need to be focused on because in any of those scenarios, the outcome is always going to be the same. And we're still going to end up in a scenario where the little guy and the small business is the one who gets screwed over and the, the people who are well connected and the wealthy and the big business and big special interests are the ones who are going to 
have the favors. And so now we're witnessing it in part of all of these quote unquote greats that are going on with the great resignation or great reshuffle. You know, we've got this great consolidation going on as well with just more power in that unholy triumvirate between big government, big business and big special interest. And that's what we really need to, to watch out for, because as you said, that puts more people dependent on the government and it takes away wealth creation opportunities and economic freedom from the average American. And obviously that's not a not a good scenario. No, not at all. And I'm, I'm glad that you laid it out that way, because let's just say, for instance, the government had our our best interests in mind, right? Or even they were, they were hopefully intent on creating the best scenario possible. The fact of the matter is, is that their presence and their intrusion alone, even if the intentions were good, picks winners and losers. Therefore, by default, even with great intentions, would crush the small business. It, but you did just a great job in the reading comprehension of the book. <laughs> <laughs> and spitting out some of the theses. I mean, it, it is 100% uh, correct. And I think that probably the real answer is somewhere in between. I think, you know, there are some intentions going on and you'd say, well, you know, small business was half the economy before COVID, half the jobs, about half the GDP. Why would you want to kill them? And it is truly inconvenient to deal with more than 30 million small businesses that are all highly decentralized versus 20,000 big businesses that control the other half of the economy. So if you put more of the economy in just a handful of businesses, it's much easier to consolidate power. And then it also takes away those wealth creation opportunities that puts more people on the government dole, you know, gets people used to UBI and more spending and, and whatnot. And that also increases government power. So some of it's probably nefarious. Some of it is, is you know, just general incompetence. Um, and, you know, I think that that answer is probably somewhere in the middle. But again, doesn't really matter. The outcome is going to be the same. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The outcome is going to inevitably or even inadvertently be the same when the government yeah. gets too intrusive and involved in any scenario. It's going to wind up crushing many people. Uh, it's kind of ironic that you released this book right before, basically right before the COVID vaccine mandates. Because, oh my God, how the government used the pandemic to crush the backbone of America <laughs> could not be more illustrative right now when we're firing thousands of the most essential people. And I'm of the personal belief that if you have a job, you are essential. Your job is essential to your family. Your job is essential to your well-being, to your children, to putting food on the table. So all jobs are essential. But on the back of you releasing this book, we come out with COVID, man COVID vaccine mandates that are going to just basically finish off the job. Yeah, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because I feel like there are a few myths that are perpetuated um, out there. And, and one of them is that, you know, we were all in this together and choose that we had broad lockdowns. And the reality is that we didn't. What they did, which again, may what maybe was intelligent by design and maybe they just got lucky, is that they focused in on these small businesses that didn't have the clout and connections. You know, if you had not had the Fed intervening to support Wall Street, if you had had Amazon's warehouse closed down and your grocery store closed down and Walmart closed down, like this would not have lasted for more than like two weeks. 
And I think we all would have been better off for that. So I think collectively, you know, the, the people at the, the very top certainly wouldn't have gotten these outsized gains, but just, you know, collective, and I hate to use the word collectively, but like individually, I feel like we would have all been better off that way. So um, the fact that they didn't go through that is a huge myth that people don't seem to understand. They seem to think that we were all, all like living through these crazy lockdowns and we just weren't. And that ended up creating this, this picking of winners and losers. And then the fact that, you know, I keep hearing about small businesses getting bailed out. I mean, they didn't get bailed out. First of all, if you think about like the bailouts out of the Great Recession, these big companies, these big financial institutions took on too much risk and the taxpayers had to come save them based on something they, they did. And small businesses did nothing wrong. They were just, you know, unfortunately targeted largely by the mandates. And so any money that was given to them was due compensation under the concept of eminent domain of the Constitution. I mean, basically, you know, it says that you can't take somebody's property for the public good without compensating them appropriately. And the small businesses, even with PPP and some of these other stupid crumb things that they've come up with, like wasn't a fraction of the compensation that they deserve, nor a fraction of the compensation that was given out to just about everybody else, including a lot of crony organizations. Um, and then, like you said, you know, after you know, at some point we had to just like shut the door on the book and like move on. But then there's all of these long tail effects, you know, with the labor market, with the supply chain, with some of these mandates that are coming down. And while the small businesses today have been exempted from, you know, some of these mandates, the reality is if you were a quote unquote essential worker or frontline worker, you worked in a grocery store, or you worked in a hospital and you were told you were essential and you managed to keep yourself alive and safe, right? During the entire pandemic when nobody was vaccinated, now all of a sudden you can't have a job because you're choosing to do something different. And it's like the fact that people can't see how grossly wrong that is, um, is very concerning to me. Yeah, and you've also got, um, you know, the, the bureaucratic authoritarian tyrant Fauci out there just <laughs> vomiting this uh, collectivist rhetoric saying it's the greater good. It's for the, the greater good of society when it's really not. When, no. Essentially, all that's happening with all of these mandates is centralizing power and shifting it from our ability to live our own lives and create wealth for ourselves, invest into a healthy stock market, invest into other people's businesses, and they're stripping that away from us. And yeah. which is another, leads me off into another great point that has surfaced after the book was, been, I assume, I hope that you're going to give us another book because <laughs> I think there's so much information just has happened since you released this one. It's remarkable. Now you have Janet Yellen, I think it's the uh, Secretary of Treasury, former uh the worst the chair of the Federal Reserve telling us that we, there's going to be no backlash from uh, taxing unearned capital gains. How the is that going to work? I mean, Janet Yellen is bat, you know what, crazy. Like she's right. li literally insane because there's no way a sane person 
like, I don't care how much you're getting paid, could be in those positions and say the things that she's saying. So like you said, she's, you know, head of the treasury. She was former head of the Fed. And the things that they, that she's proposed, uh, like this concept of unrealized capital gains, which is like a theoretical value, uh, which means nothing, you know, in the context of taxation, you know, I mean, we could go through it if you want, but like that's something that would, would just basically tear apart, you know, not the people who are targeted, but really everybody's 401ks, you know, investment opportunities, (laughs) you know, the, our stock markets is sort of like, you know, the world's stock markets and, 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 uh, it's so crazy. And then the things about like she wants to to have reporting on your bank accounts if you have certain thresholds. First, it was $600. Then it was $10,000. They want you to report the aggregate inflows and outflows. And uh, between her and Biden, who wants to hire 87,000 more IRS agents, and they're like, oh, well, we want the billionaires to pay their fair share. Well, there's like 800 billionaires or something like that, the last count. So why do you need to look at a $600 or $10,000 bank account? Or why do you need 87,000 people to take care of these 800? I mean, like, it's pretty clear they're not coming for the billionaires. They're coming for you. And the, just the like gas, the epic gaslighting that like, A, this is a good idea to begin with. B, that they don't have trillions of dollars that they spend already, like more than they should. And that they're not coming after the middle class and small business is just, I mean, it's, it's like borderline insanity. I mean, it's just so offensive. Yeah, I feel like really what they're banking on is just a general overall ignorance of the American public when it comes to these basic economics. I, I don't, I don't understand how they think that they're going to get away with any of this uh, policy procedures. Because they got than, away with everything. They got away with shutting down the economy for eighteen months, and people are like, "Oh, okay." Like. I mean, my husband and I had this discussion in February of 2020, uh, which, by the way, I had COVID, didn't even realize that it was COVID at the time um, because they didn't have the tests and whatever, but had the antibodies after whatever. Um, But we saw this coming down the pike and we saw what was happening in some of the other countries. And we're like, well, if it came here, like, what would we do? Could we like shut things down for, for like two weeks? And we're both like, no, there's no way. Like people would never do that. But that's why it was so nefarious when they just targeted the small businesses in the you know these industries that were primarily you know small and non-connected and not the big guys to allow them to get away with it and allow them to then obviously continue to extend it. And it's but like we were like, there's no way people were going to comply, and people were like are still compliant. Like they're still like you know insane about the whole thing and not using any logical skill like the whole discussion i'm vaccinated i'm somebody i put everything in my body i get a flu shot every year i eat processed cheese like if there's something just throw it in i'm like a walking science experiment but at the same time i'm anti-vax mandate because again if it does what it says it's supposed to do what we were told it offers you personal protection and so therefore I don't care what you do. And I feel safe being around people who aren't vaccinated. And if it doesn't work, 
then why do I need to take it to begin with? So like just basic logic and reason for everything has been thrown out the window. And it's just frightening that, I mean, like we're not talking like a, a small percentage of the population. We're talking like half the population has lost their minds. And just like people that you would normally think are like, oh, this is like a fairly smart together person. And I just find myself being like, I don't, like I, I can't follow, like I can't connect these dots. Like does does not compute, and it's um it's a, a pretty again. I feel like I keep saying this. It's a pretty scary situation. Yeah, a very scary situation. But I'm going to use your words from earlier in the uh, in the conversation. <clears throat> I think it's layers. I think some of these people are nefarious. They know exactly the bad decision making and exactly the bad results. I think a lot of them, even if they're you know very intelligent. They're just confused by bad media propaganda and yeah. bad science, bad data. And, and then you have a third party, which is somewhere in between. who's just very confused. And who the yeah. hell knows what's going on? I'm just trying to do the best for my family and my business. I'll get vaccinated. I would love to sit down with you and have the entire conversation about coronavirus because that's my big thing. That's why I'm in this seat here today is because of that. But I want to focus on the economy and the small business um, with the don't it's just so convoluted with fault faulty propaganda well i guess it's good propaganda really but just faulty misinformation disinformation and just everything that they can and then just the, the mass confusion yeah i mean and again we have to to throw rightfully so the press under the bus the corporate press who has just run cover this entire time and whatever was said they just put it out there and they didn't challenge it. And when it changed, they didn't say, well, I don't understand why this is flip-flopped. And I you document some of this, the early stuff in the book, things like the flip-flopping on masks and, and you know, Fauci, you know, admitting that he lied intentionally. Uh, you know, these things, when I say like he's a sociopath and certainly that's my opinion, but like it's well documented from the things that he said that he's a liar. That's not an opinion. He's he's come out and said, I did not tell the truth about this. And here's my rationalization afterwards, which, again, makes no sense. And we see the flip flops. I mean, you you go through Twitter like it's kind of, of amazing to sit and watch these videos where you'll get the same person and they'll say one thing and then two seconds later they'll say something else and they'll just put them like one right after another with no acknowledgement of you know like nothing's changed like there's no new information there's no new science there's no new data we've just decided to change our minds and we expect that you're going to go along with that and it feels very much like a dystopian novel like I know it's super cliche, but like go back and reread 1984, reread Animal Farm. It does feel like that's the playbook. It does. Absolutely. And and piggybacking off of that with the flip flop, with the the liberal media or leftist media, whatever label we're going to use and tomorrow is going to change with the they've done the same thing. They've and here here's why. Uh, skip beats there. So they've done the same thing in regards to what's happening with inflation in the economy. And what they're <laughs> banking on is that we're going to memory hole all of the fact that they just completely ignore everything that you just said and how they flip flopped on coronavirus and the mandates and the data and the science. Now they're doing it with inflation. They're saying, oh, there is no inflation. Well, then it was 
Oh, well, it's just transitory inflation. Now the inflation is it's good. good. It's good for you. Don't you know it's good for you? Don't you love not being able to buy things? That's amazing. We should be like Europe, which is something else they said. Like, it's yep. it, it's frustrating. So, I, you know, I've been saying this um, since the beginning because it's obvious. You can't print trillions of dollars and have trillions of dollars of stimulus just the monetary side of it is going to create inflation and then you're going to turn like a third of the economy off and turn it back on and create supply chain and labor dislocation on top of that like come on like this was not a difficult project like i'm not like a genius that i projected this by the way like it was super obvious and so i've been right. saying it the whole time but you get all these big names being like no like i really really think it's transitory and it's like, okay, so like you can't get people, we have like almost you know 10.4 million before it was like 11 change million jobs unfilled. So you're gonna have to pay people 20 some odd dollars an hour plus a bonus to even get them into your business. And you think three months from now, you're gonna be paying them seven bucks? Like on what planet is that happening? So. It was just very clear. So the fact that they, they, you know, the people who were supposed to know were making up these lies. Again, if you're that incompetent, you shouldn't be in that job, but you're probably a lying liar who lies. And, and then, you know, to the point where they can't hide it anymore. And then, you know, oh, it's a right wing talking point. Like, it's not a right wing talking point. It's a grocery store talking point. It's a gas station talking point. It's my wallet is talking about this point, right? So it's like, it's just this epic trying to spin things in a way that it's like, come on. And, I, and that's where I think people have gotten to the point where they're like going, yeah, like this isn't, this isn't kosher. I mean, there's still people who are buying into the narrative, but like in terms of the, the delusion, you know, that's one where people are like, yeah, no, it, it kind of seems inflationy and it doesn't seem like it's it's going away. But it's uh, it is it is amazing to watch just like like you said, the the change in the narrative. And the, it, I mean, it's evil to sell people the notion that inflation is good or that it's something I saw. Um, <laughs> there was that one lunatic who was like, oh, the the rich people are mad because their assets are doing well and i'm like like name an asset class that isn't just <laughs> gone through the roof hasn't been like inflated into like super bubble tear like the 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 wealthy people making out like bandits like i mean real estate stocks like it, it doesn't matter collectibles like art wine like it doesn't matter everything there's so much money but it's it's the savers it's the spenders it's the retirees it's the you know middle class it's it, those are the people who are getting hurt like again you don't have to be an economist to be to, to be able to understand this this is like pretty basic stuff very basic and real life lived experience as well well i'm not an economist we're not economists and we're damn sure not rich uh, i make about forty thousand dollars a year and a single income family with three kids and i can tell you right now we can see the inflation because i can track it on the damn grocery receipt what i don't know why they think they're getting away with this my we order online pre-order go to walmart pick it up we can see that almost every purchase has gone up somewhere between 18 to even 36 yeah. percent in less than a year 
really in less than six months. Yeah. We have the but, receipts. But don't you know that must be small business greed? They, they must be exploiting yeah. you. It has nothing to do with government. It has nothing to do with, yeah. with uh, you know, money printing. It's, you know, the yeah. rich are upset about, you know, what are, I mean, it's just, it's so completely insane. Yeah, and that narrative just is nauseating. Like, what does the rich care about their gallon of milk going up 30-something percent as ours has? We care because we don't have any money. Every gallon of milk we have to buy, which is two a week. And then, I don't know if you saw the interview with that family that adopted all of those. Yes, This exactly. is totally off the beaten path here. Oh, my God. And the blue check liberal media just destroyed that small family. It's who disgusting. Liber- yeah. So let, let's just be clear. The, the media, the liberal media, the corporate press hates you. They hate the average American. They don't want you to be successful. The politicians think that you're idiots. They don't want you to be successful. Like, nobody is rooting for you, which is why, you know, part of the reason why I wrote the book. And then it's like, I I had somebody come at me on Twitter who's like, you gotta be careful. They're trying to take the narrative about, you know, the, that, you know, about the, uh, the, the coming down on the middle class and the working class for the rights. And I'm like, I'm not, this isn't a narrative. This isn't a story or talking point. This is shining a light on the reality of people's realities. And the fact that you think that this is some game or some narrative, like says the whole thing that you're worried, oh, I'm hijacking your narrative. Like, no, idiots. I'm telling you that big government and I don't know if it's my Wi-Fi or... Oh, there she is. She's back. I couldn't tell if it was my Wi-Fi or your Wi-Fi that broke it, You know, it's it's the guy It's the guy who was mad at me on Twitter. He came. He, 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 didn't, want to hear, he didn't want you to hear the truth. He tried to cut in, but, you know, we're going to just... The truth is going to get out. Oh, facts. We're 100% <laughs> going to get the truth out. And you are a fantastic purveyor of truth on all platforms all over the national stage thank you very much for all that you're doing don't stop give us another book because i don't think that the economic meltdown has anywhere even come close to climactic yet no so it's gonna I, get, I think it's you're gonna, gonna have ugly. a lot to write about yeah it's gonna I, get I ugly you, i'm sorry guys it is like you know have, have some emergency savings like you know just Hang, hang on to your head. And, and obviously, I can't tell you exactly how much or when, because obviously it's dependent upon whether they pass Build Back Better and some of the decisions that the Fed has to make here soon. Um, but just be prepared. That's all I would say. Are you a, um, a person that puts a lot of value into um, precious metals? So I'm in a very fortunate position um, that I have a very robust portfolio and it is highly diversified. Um, So, but I'm not in the same situation that I was when I first started out or that my family was, um, you know, when I was growing up 
or that most people are, um, but I would say have a have a well diversified portfolio and have guns, have ammo, have seeds, because those will always with everything like worst case scenario, those will always have a good barter value for you. That's a phenomenal statement. Prepper all the way. Have <laughs> guns, ammos, and seeds. Miss Carol Roth, you are fantastic. Author of the world's small business. Get your copy today, which you don't have to worry about inflation too much because she made it very, very affordable on Amazon. Where else can we get your book? No, where else can we follow you? We don't want you to go to Amazon. Uh, I mean, you don't can't. You I'm a capitalist. You could go wherever you want, but buy it from a local small business. And if you're lazy and you want to shop online, which again, I'm lazy, so this, that's not a, a mean thing to say, um, bookshop.org will actually fulfill it from a local small business bookseller. Nice. And you can see how much is going to a small business. So part of capitalism, voting with your dollars. And you can't bitch about these big companies and give them all your money. If you want to, again, it's a free country, but then don't be surprised when there are no more small businesses. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we have a lot of uh, we have a lot of people that are saying the same thing you're saying right now is invest in the small business, stay away from the large big corporations like Amazon. You said bigshop.org? Book, bookshop. Sorry, that's my my bookshop. Midwestern accent. Bookshop.org. Yes. Yeah, I don't I know what I don't know what bigshop.org is. It could be could be scandalous. I have no idea, but bookshop. Dot. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, I'm going to put that up there again real quick. I know that your main following is on Twitter, yes. but I know you have an Instagram account. Where else can we follow? You have a website. I got a website. I got a LinkedIn. I got a, I got a everything. Yeah, like you could find me, but like if you really want to get like, you know, follow my takes and see me light up a rando from time to time, like that's really only <laughs> happening. On Twitter, and it depends on how feisty I'm feeling that day. So I behave sometimes. I don't behave sometimes. And that's part of the fun of the whole thing, right? It is. It is. Well, I can tell you that from for me and my personal audience, we look forward to you misbehaving Thank you. In, in a grand fashion all the time. Thank you, Miss Carol. You are a phenomenal guest and a phenomenal entrepreneur and just a leader. You are always welcome here. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you. Thanks for all that you're doing to support freedom and liberty and for the platform and for reaching out. Glad we could connect. Yes, very glad we connect and have a, a great conversation. I will see you very soon. Thank you. Absolutely fantastic interview. Amazing as she always is. If you haven't seen, go check her out on My Fellow Americans with Spike Cohen. Go find her on all social media accounts. Follow her on Twitter. That's the big one because everybody wants to see Carol Roth and her amazing big brain and big hair light up some randos on Twitter, as she just said, which I absolutely am here for and cannot wait to see it again. So go please go check out her book, The Small, the War on Small Business, How the Government Used the pandemic to crush the backbone of America, and she couldn't be more right. It, the first time I heard that interview, I heard it on Glenn Beck Program Live. I heard the title of her book, and I said, I have to get this book because this is something that I have been dead set on since May of 2019. I saw the writing on the wall. I'm not trying to sound arrogant here, but just it was something that I could see happening. I said, I, I can see where we're going here. 
We're, we're about to crush all of these small businesses and create dependency on the government. Why? Because it is a, or it has a never ending appetite for power and they cannot maintain and continue to feed that appetite as long as we are in control. And one of the biggest ways that we're in control is small business. So please go check out her book. Uh, I'm going to use what she said, bookshop.org. I got it from somewhere else. The name we shall not mention. But you can get it at bookshop.org. Go check it out. Go find it immediately. She has a, a book before that. She will have, hopefully, a book coming again very soon right after this because, my God, was her book just on point with the timing and even more chaos ensues in our very delicate and fragile economy that we need so desperately to get back to putting the small business and the individual first. You guys are absolutely fantastic and amazing. I love you very, very much, each and every one of you, and I'm very proud to be here and call you friends and family. I will see you very soon on the next Cajun Libertarian Sunday special. You have a wonderful evening. Mm -hmm.